Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. We're coming at you live after the Mavericks 108-100 loss in Salt Lake City to the Utah Jazz on January 28th, 2023 at 11.04 p.m. Central Standard Time. Spencer Dinwiddie led the way tonight, as he has with Luka not playing big minutes recently, with 35 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists. But before we get into the details about tonight's game, I got to introduce our two guests, our two co-hosts, sorry, for this evening, Fazal Ahmed and Vinay Chemedy. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, Not the worst loss in the world, but not a great feeling either. How are y'all? Yeah, I'm good, good too. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like you said, not the worst loss given what the Mavericks had to work with, but certainly is frustrating because I think this loss puts us at, like, I don't know, the 10th seed, and there definitely could have been a cushion for this if the Mavericks had been playing up to standards in the early part of the season and then dropped so many close games against bad teams, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, the past is the past, and we're here now, so... Yeah, well said. Don't think I could say that better myself. Vinay, how about you? I'm feeling, I mean, with the Mavericks, semi, semi, uh, semi mediocre, I guess is kind of like, I don't really know another word to describe them right now just because it just kind of feels like the same old Mavericks team with, you know, it depends on if they're making shots that night or not. And then, you know, without Luka, it's just kind of like an even worse product. So. Um, I'm glad that they got to kind of show some fight today. Spencer Dinwiddie without Lucas specifically has stepped up his billing, but the team is just simply not talented enough, and it's just kind of like it feels like we're running in place right now and not really going towards contention. Yeah, Vin- That's cool. Yeah, Vinay, I, I definitely understand that sentiment. I think a lot of Mavs fans are very frustrated for both of the reasons that you mentioned. This Mavericks team has clearly un- underperformed this season, even for its current roster. Um, oddly tonight, Reggie Bullock was incredible from three. Really don't know how to, how to wrap my head around this, but he was five of eight from that side of the field and in general 7 of 10 from the field because after the Jazz started closing out on him he got a lot of buckets at the rim in fact I think one bucket he got at the rim was a, a Dwight Powell scoop right at the rim so he he had a really nice game tonight um, and it's it's been nice to see some of these role players stepping up without Luka on the floor uh, showing that they can contribute to the scoring total um Josh Green also had uh, a night there, but definitely didn't didn't get the amount of efficiency that we want from him from three. Uh, some of that is just variableness. But Tim Hardaway Jr. also struggled from three, um, but didn't have a horrible game just purely from the eye test other than in transition where he was pretty much giving the game away. Um <laughs> There was, uh, I think, unfortunately, my key takeaway from the game is, and I'm just going to preface this by saying that I, it's nothing personal, but I just do not like Davis Bertans as a basketball player. <laughs> and I've never liked Davis Bertans as a basketball player. I got to see him live in, in, during the Clippers game, 
and basically every decision there kind of frustrated me. And tonight, Spencer Dinwiddie in, I want to say the third quarter, but it might have been the fourth, brings the Mavs to eight points down, right, from about 16 or 14, mm-hmm. um, with a good amount of time left on the clock. And Davis Bertans goes from bricking a three and letting uh, Beasley hit a buzzer or a shot clock buzzer beating three from about 30 feet out over him to the next possession just not even trying to get the easy defensive rebound that was two feet in front of him, which then was shoveled to Laurie Markinen at the top of the three-point line for another three. So, yeah, it went back to a 14-point deficit pretty much immediately. And... I'm going to be honest, those plays were kind of the difference here. I mean, there we can talk about the lack of efficiency in shooting from beyond the arc from a lot of these guys, including Bertans, Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr. But honestly, this game was eminently winnable otherwise. The Jazz are not some incredible team that the Mavs had no chance of beating without Luka Doncic no, and Christian Wood. Definitely not. I think uh, it's kind of, I mean, with the Jazz specifically, Spencer Dinwiddie outplayed their best player today and Larry Markinen, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of dependent on the others. Malik Beasley, like you said, hit that huge uh, 30-foot shot that I thought kind of was like, kind of like the, I don't want to say like the end of the game, but kind of like, it just kind of felt like the game was over at that point, even though the score didn't say so. Just kind of a huge momentum swing. Yeah, it was a momentum um, killer for sure. Yeah, and going back to your point on Bertans, I always noticed that Bertans and Frank somehow end up on the court together and watching them two and what they can't do at the NBA level is just really, really frustrating as a fan sitting on the couch watching my team. Um, I don't like watching them play basketball. I think both of them should be playing in Europe next year with all due respect to both of them. <laughs> like, look, they're, they're humans, but, you know, I'm, I'm on some calling them trash bros type shit because... <laughs> they, those two guys give me headaches. Yeah. I just, for as good as Davis Bertans is from the corner, he is one of the worst <laughs> defensive and rebounding decision makers at that size I have ever seen in the NBA. Like, it's reminiscent of Andrea Bargnani. Um, wow. Right, I think I'd rather have Darren Carlson trying to go up for rebounds. <laughs> hey man, again, I just want to say nothing personally against the guy, but oh my god, it's just every time that he he checks into the game, it's a reminder that the Mavs' front court depth is so, so paper thin. Um, really mix, missing Maxi, but I think larger than that, the Mavs missed C. Wood tonight. C. Wood ha- would have been the difference, especially... In that against that front court, I mean, Walker Kessler got a lot of easy buckets on the inside. Um, got a lot of un, relatively uncontested buckets on the inside off of pick and roll, uh, off of being the roll man, I would say. Um, so yeah, there there was a lot of the Jazz game plan that the Mavs were still able to counter today. I think Vinay, I want to reiterate what you said. Spencer Dinwiddie outplayed Larry Markinen tonight, very handily. Um, but the Mavs really can't depend on Spencer Dinwiddie having to put up these numbers. And honestly, what it's kind of showing me is that going off of, again, 
what you said there at the end, Vinay. This roster's issues are so deep that when Luca's out, Spencer has to play like Luca does, in that he has to score a ridiculous amount of points and have a ridiculous usage and do almost everything for the team when he's out there. And that's not a sustainable way of winning basketball games. No, I agree with you. Like we're we're low on ball handler depth. We're low on big man depth, as you just said, with Davis Bertans playing much more than he should. And I mean, because of these depth issues, like Spencer Dinwiddie, looking at just the minute totals today, Dorian played 40 minutes today. Spencer Dinwiddie played 42 minutes today. Josh Green played 38 minutes today. And presumably as we go down the stretch of the season, we're not going to be sitting in a situation where we're comfortable in the standings and we're afforded the luxury of being able to rest guys. Like we have to have these guys for all these games and potentially playing playing tournament. Um, and I'm kind of worried how towards the end of the season, these guys are going to look fatigue-wise and energy-wise. Because um, I think the minutes, I'm I'm a believer that the minutes, if you're playing these high high amounts of minutes, that it will eventually catch up to you. Agreed. It just goes back to the depth issues. Fazel, what else did you notice about tonight's game? Um, yeah, I have several things I want to mention. But first off, yeah, definitely, Vinay, about what you said on, you know, long-run fatigue. Um, if you guys remember the 2021 season with our boy Josh Richardson and all those guys, um, I kind of hated that team, but they did pick it up towards the end and they were playing pretty well. But they were, I think they were running like what a seven, eight man rotation by the end of the season, by the end of the regular season. And that definitely, you know, that caught up with them. And basically, everybody on the team was gassed by the end of that season, which made it very um, not pretty in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I, I do fear that we're going to be headed for a repeat of that. I will say that when everybody's back, when Maxi, Luca, and Seawood are back, um, which is hopefully going to be, like, after the All-Star break, um, the depth, I'm not going to say it's good, especially not compared to last season, but the depth of the team will be almost approaching serviceable so i'd say that's that's solid you know um are, are you maybe saying that are you, are you saying that because of them being out they will be forced to be more serviceable no because when they come back then we can actually run like an eight nine man rotation oh, right. of dudes who are like not awful at basketball <laughs> so it can the minute distribution can be a little more uh, equitable yeah um, yeah, so that's my, my take on that. But as far as like what I saw in the game today, uh, really the game was lost in the first half when the Mavs came out lethargic as hell, um, <laughs> both on offense a little bit, but mostly on defense. Uh, in the second half, you know, I don't know what was said in the locker room, but they did seem to wake up and, um, you know, everybody else aside from Spencer, they seemed to wake up and especially on defense, you know, the way they kept on playing with aggression and uh, they kept on rotating decently uh, for the most part. Um, they It was more reminiscent of like how I remember last season's Mavs playing. And that was, you know, there's some good things to take out of that. But at the end of the day, they got out-hustled and, you know, out-talented because, you know, the Jazz are a really deep team, not facing the injury issues quite like the Mavs are. And um, it was just apparent. Uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, I thought Spencer played pretty well, but... In the last couple of minutes, he was playing hero ball unsuccessfully. 
He was actually really selfish all night. Um, of course, you know, when he's making the shots, you kind of live with that and you're like, okay, do your thing. But, you know, he, he had some shots that they were like complete heat checks that he yeah. should hit. And he, he was looking off of guys to take those shots. And I was like, man, this isn't, I knew this wasn't sustainable. So I wasn't like really um, optimistic about our chances in this game. And I was like, you know, just enjoy while you're seeing it work out for now. Um, I will say that Tim disappointed the shit out of me until he checked back in in the fourth quarter and he was, you know, he hit some threes or he he hit at least one three. But it, earlier in the game, you know, he was bricking every open wide open three he was taking and he couldn't play defense for shit. So that was, I was kind of annoyed that he got such a long leash at some t- points in the first half. Um, Josh, he had his moments, you know, we got a basic like average Josh Green game out of him, which I'm not, I'm not mad at him at all, but he also made some questionable decisions in the fourth quarter that kind of like, right, you know, that kind of sunk us. And when he missed that wide open three in the corner, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, this game is kind of over. Um, I, I figured that, you know, with the way he had been playing, if that was Reggie in that moment or even Dorian, cause he was kind of heating up. You know, those guys would have hit that shot. And, you know, they were hitting them from the left corner all night. Um, Even Bertans was hitting from the left corner. That's the only place where he was hitting from. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so, you know, I'm not really mad at Josh, but I do wish he could have been a little better. Um, Our front court, absolutely, our centers, just basically Dwight and Bertans annihilated. They didn't even put up, like, you know a bench player they collectively they were worse than like an average game of um isaiah hardenstein which says everything (laughs) um yeah and in in the in the late crunch time you know the mass had to go to micro ball with having dorian at the five which is i i get that idea in theory because you know it spaces out the court a lot and you, you drag walker kessler out to the perimeter uh you know it's not the worst idea but when it came to like crashing the glass I don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know the Mavericks were re- out-rebounded by, like, close to 20 for the entire game. And obviously, like, that that came back to bite them in the ass, the lack of size at the very end of the game. So, and really all night, but at the end of the game, too. So, um, it was just really, I mean, the deck was stacked against them. I, re- I really don't know what to take from this game. It's, like, not even usable for data, to be honest with y'all. But it is, um, I guess it's good to see that, like, I guess my one and only takeaway is that it's good to see Spencer, you know, playing out of his mind right now. Because not too long ago, I was, you know, hearing and, of course, watching him, like, you know, not really be that effective and, um, you know, kind of lack that same athleticism and speed and not really be getting to the line much to draw fouls. So everybody was like, you know, at least on Twitter, which is obviously a dangerous game to play in terms of taking stock into anything they say, but everybody was like, oh no, Spencer looks cooked. And I was like, man, I think he's just like, you know, he's not playing as well as he could, but I didn't, I wasn't scared that he would be like, you know, like this for the rest of the season. And what do you know? He's been really hot lately. So um, it's good to see that keep on going on. Uh, Hopefully Luca returns soon. And then, would as well next week 
And of course, I have no idea about Maxi. Like, it seems unfathomable that he'd return from his injury so soon, like a serious one that required surgery like that. So I really hope they're not rushing him back. But, like, our defense, we only play defense on this team with him healthy. So I guess um, if he's back for real, then, you know, that's good too, of course. Yeah, uh, honestly, Maxi, Dorian, Josh Green, and then... I don't know, maybe Luca would be or like in in that rotation probably the best defenders, which is not a not a good list to have. As much as I love Luca and I think he's too much is said about him defensively. Um I'll put it that way. I would go ahead and say I I think Maxi when he was I think he was saying that on the broadcast, right? On the Bally Sports broadcast a week or two ago that he wanted to be back in time for the all-star break. He wanted to be back by the end of the month. Really don't know how realistic that is, but yeah, if he can come back after the all-star break alongside Seawood and, and Luca, or maybe a little bit afterwards, things will be a little bit more manageable. But on my end, I feel like the Mavs really need Seawood uh, soon. Because that front court depth, even if you can't defend, which the Mavs really can't defend without Maxi, you at least are scoring 10 more points a game. And tonight, this is the main thing that I actually wanted to highlight from the box score, the Mavericks did not shoot a lot of free throws. Um, they shot 17, and the, and the Jazz shot 24. Now, that being said... It's not a huge discrepancy, but the Mavs with Luka tend to out, like, get more free throws than an opponent like this by around 7 to 12. That's just me estimating. There's no statistics behind that. That's just from me looking at other box scores. But it is a big difference in the chemistry or the makeup of the dietary makeup of this game tonight. Uh, and I think their inability to get easy baskets and to draw those fouls really bites them in the ass as well. I think, uh, yeah, that's a really good point about the free getting to the free throw line. And I think, uh, I mean, it's important to note that Spencer Dinwiddie's not going to have 35 points on most nights. So, like, we're not going to have that type of, I mean, with, as the current roster is constructed without Seawood, especially, like, you're just not going to get scoring punch. Like, we're kind of fortunate to get the 35 that we got from Spencer, as is. Definitely, definitely. He was on a tear tonight, and so was Reggie Bullock, so. Yeah, you just can't count on that night tonight. Absolutely not. But it is, on a side note, it is good to see Reggie kind of hitting his rhythm. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, when we have a full roster and a fully healthy roster, having Reggie be that like the fifth guy on the court who you expect to hit a shot and having him wide open for all those threes again, it's going to be good. Um, I think I'm not sure if I said it on the pod cause it's been a minute because um, well, yeah, but I was talking to somebody and I was like, I wasn't sure he was going to pick it up this season, even though it's literally what he does every single year. But um, I'm, I'm glad to see new year Reggie doing his thing. <laughs> For real. Uh, I remember when we were talking about this in the early episodes for this season, Fossil, and uh, you were mentioning that. And <laughs> I remember Jay and I were not, not so uh, 
not so much uh how do you say optimistic that things would necessarily bear out the same way but i'm glad that you were right in this case yeah i'm pretty sure i wasn't that confident myself when i was seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> honestly to start the season he was pretty abysmal so yeah it, it really is night and day like he wasn't shooting he seemed really not confident early in the season and now he does not seem that way at all so it is what it is uh You'll just have to take it if you're the Mavericks right now, because uh, these next these next few games on paper are pretty difficult to get through. Not the next one in Detroit, although we've seen the Mavs lose to the Pistons before the season. <laughs> uh, God, Killian Hayes sauced us up. I'm still not over that. <laughs> and the thing is, he has he has lost the Pistons games in the last few weeks that they had in the bag so if we're in a repeat scenario on january 30th i'm gonna be very very annoyed after that uh we have on february 2nd uh the pelicans at the mavs in Air in american airlines center followed by the mavs in san francisco to play the golden state warriors on the fourth and then again playing in utah on february the 6th um yeah they play the clippers and then the kings twice after that so this is a tough stretch of games for luca to miss and i know we have all-star in between there but luca maxi ansi wood not a recipe for success for this team uh, I don't know how much there is left for me to say, so whatever we have to close. I was just about to say, I think the trade deadline's on February 9th, so we should mm. have Bradley Beal and John Collins by then. <laughs> I think is what the Mavs rumors say. No, I'm playing. But I think we'll, I mean, before February 9th, like those are four pretty big games. Um, I mean, I'm not going to take the Pistons for granted because of the history of, of the Mavericks against bad teams. And then I mean, the two at Sacramento games right after is going to, I think, going to put us in a decent-sized hole in terms of standings. Yeah, the Kings play really fundamental basketball right now. Mike Brown coaches them really well. Um, Harrison Barnes has been on a tear recently, and I don't really know who the Mavs have on the wings that can, uh, I don't know, even pay attention to him because they're, they're going to shove Dorian onto De'Aaron Fox and then somebody's going to be on Sabonis. So who do you who do you put on the rest of these guys? I they're have no get, idea. They're going to get so many open layups off miscommunication off that little dribble handoff that Sabonis and Fox do. It's going to be fun. I'm Can't expecting wait. one of those two games to be a new record for the Kings at home making threes, but <laughs> that is my pessimism speaking. Well, if Luka's back, you know, he's probably going to, I don't know, put up a 70 point 30 assist game or some shit <laughs> it's really bold to think that the Mavs have 30 other shots that could be made outside of Luka Doncic you guys aren't ready for when Dwight Powell starts hitting threes <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been talking about that for about seven years now haven't we only in the 2k clip <laughs> only in the 2k clip yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we will see you guys 
on Monday uh, to talk about the Pistons game on Twitter. Uh, and we'll probably be back next week, next weekend, if anything, for our next episode of this podcast. Guys, do you have anything that you'd like to say before we sign off? Uh, I think that's it for me. Hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, Davis Bertans doesn't find this podcast. <laughs> I don't really care much if he does. <laughs> hey, man, it, I, I try not to coddle the guy, but I did say it's not personal like three times. <laughs> So, not much more I can do. Yeah, you just you wait till uh, the Mavs playing LA against the Lakers in a couple of weeks, and he shows up on your doorstep. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, yeah, I don't I'm really like, have anything else to say. So I'm like uh, nervous that's... and anxious for this upcoming stretch because, as we Mavs fans complain a lot as is, and I feel like it's about to get worse. And I, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's about to get worse in terms of standings and what, where we're going to look like in terms of playing and all that after this little stretch. Well, I yeah, could be wrong I'm not going to talk for all of Mavs Twitter when I say any of this, but I, I think there are a good amount of people that are pretty big on Mavs Twitter that when they were being frustrated earlier earlier in the year to these bad losses this is exactly why they they were angry because if you look at the schedule you knew that the strength of schedule was going to be tighter in the middle of the year and probably even to close the year so yeah this is kind of the bed the Mavs have laid in let's hope and pray that Seawood and Luca can work some of their magic and also that the Mavs make a trade that somewhat moves the needle I'm not I'm not banking on it but if we can somehow swing a trade that would be lovely to improve the team somehow but i have bad vibes for just the remainder of this this season and then i think it's kind of a reassess in the off season hopefully they can make a little bit more um productive additions to the team in the off season i feel like a straight woman the way i'm expecting this this guy to do the bare minimum and make a trade that actually does something right yeah, um, I guess on the topic of trades, I, I do think that the Mavs make a move, but it's not going to be a big one. Like, we're getting, I don't know, Doug McDermott or Josh Richardson or some shit like that, you know. Who's, it's not enough to move the needle, but it is at least enough to make us look less embarrassing in certain regular season games, which I guess I'll take. <laughs> um, I don't think we're getting anything anyone on the level of like a Bojan Bogdanovic, let alone anybody better than that. Um, not until the off season, at least. And then, you know, like Vinay said, it's reassess time. Uh, I, I will say that it is possible for the Mavs to trade their 2025 pick and 2027 whatnot uh, through the same language that they used for a previous trade. I think it was for the KP trade where, um, they are giving up their next available first round pick, which I read from Maps CBA. He clarified this countless times um, on Twitter, and he he said that. But I don't think that's going to happen until the off season because, generally speaking, that's when teams are more willing to do bigger blockbuster type deals, and um, we'll most likely have that pick for sure. Have those picks available for sure. Um, unless the Mavs, you know, fall, fall off and get like the 10th pick or higher, which would be kind of tragic in terms of those long-term trade plans, but, um, would be interesting to have a lottery pick like that on the team, but I'm not really even trying to 
look at that because that'd be too depressing. But um, it would be very uh, depressing. But I don't know. Tim Duncan and David Robinson is a pretty good formula to emulate. You're not wrong there, but yeah, that's that's all I had to say on <laughs> grades. Yeah, uh, sounds like we will talk to you guys next week after hopefully a couple Mavs wins. Just don't let Killian Hayes ruin my Monday night, please. I will. I will DM him on Instagram asking him not to. <laughs>